if you were asked by someone, tell me a leader. Tell me someone that you're aware of, you've read about from history, from today, who has made an important or memorable political statement. Don't answer out loud, but who comes to mind? Think about it for a moment. Who has made a statement that really got your attention? It said something of substance about it was a political statement. Well, I'm thinking a lot of people in this room, you're thinking of a president of the United States, maybe some other politician. I think of Ronald Reagan about memorable statements. A writer or a historian, some of you may be thinking. I used to read the column of William Buckley a lot. I read some of his articles, some of the articles in the National Review, the magazine he founded many years ago. As you think about people, leaders of whatever, from whatever background, who have made memorable, important political statements, did Jesus come to mind? He really would not be high on most people's lists of political statements because that's not why he came into this world. But Kent Hughes, a pastor and author, says that we should think of Jesus and he points to a statement that Jesus made in response to a question about paying taxes. Look at this. It's from Matthew chapter 22. Here was the question Jesus was asked. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Look at the response. But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now Hugh says that last statement you see right there on the screen. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. He says that's the most important political statement ever made for this reason. Look, with this single sentence, our Lord established the validity of human government while at the same time setting its limits. Jesus, in that statement, makes it clear human government has a place in this world. It is important. We need to recognize that Submit to that. Even Jesus paid taxes. But human government is limited government. It is limited under God who has ordained it. We'll look a little bit about that a little bit later. Our country right now is in desperate need of a reminder or for some people an introduction to the importance of recognizing and respecting authority in general and the authority of government 
in particular. Now, what we're going to do in this message this morning, that's, that means it's important for us to show respect to our government leaders and law enforcement officers who are agents of our government charged with the responsibility of enforcing the laws in our country. Now, where that comes from in Scripture is going to be very clear. It's Romans 13. Romans 13 provides the most detailed statement or description of the authority of a government that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. The most detailed description. And I want us to look at it. The first five verses of Romans 13. Paul is writing, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one in authority? Then do what is good, and you will you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. This passage, as you see, it explains the God-given authority of human government and our responsibility to submit to it and even support it. Let's look at it. First, God calls us to submit to governmental authority. Paul gives us two reasons. Let's look at the first one in verses 1 and 2. The authority of government has been established by God. The authority of government, the authority of the state has been established by God. Look at how strongly Paul makes that point. First, for there is no authority except from God. Then, those that exist have been instituted by God. Then number three, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. These statements are clear that God has called everyone, everyone, to be submissive to governmental authority. Now, that includes for us, we can think about it like this. We need to obey the law of the land. We need to know what the laws are, and we need to obey them. Obey them. We don't have to lock them all. We don't have to agree with them all. Obeying the laws of the land. It also means submitting to the authority of those who enforce the laws, like law enforcement officers, judges, and anyone else who is charged with the responsibility of enforcing the law. Now, I know that the idea of submitting to authority like this, the authority of law enforcement officers, that's not a popular subject right now. Many people have responded to the abuse of authority by a few officers by rebelling against all authority. So I want us to just deal with the question right here and there. What should we do 
with government or law enforcement officers who abuse their authority. What should we do? We see what's happening throughout our country. Well, I want us to understand this is not a new problem. This is not a new question that people and especially Christians have asked. Paul wrote this while living under a Roman government that was hostile to Christianity. Paul didn't know what it was like to live in a government for the people, by the people, something like that. Nero was the Roman emperor, and he is known, notorious, for ordering the persecution of Christians. Paul even died, most likely, tradition tells us, under that kind of persecution. Throughout history, human government has failed to be just and good probably more times than not. I think the former chaplain in the U.S. Senate, Richard Halverson, helps us to answer the question, excuse me, <coughs> what about when authority is abused? Look at what he said. To be sure, men will abuse and misuse the institution of the state just as man, because of sin, has abused and misused every other institution in history, including the church of Jesus Christ. But this does not mean that the institution is bad or that it should be forsaken. It simply means that men are sinners and rebels in God's world, and this is the way they behave with good institutions. As a matter of fact, it is because of this very sin that there must be human government to maintain order until the final and ultimate rule of Jesus Christ is established. Let's think. Even though some governmental authorities have failed to administer justice properly, the solution is not to reject all government authority. That would result in chaos, in lawlessness, in violence, and that's anarchy. Over the last month or so, we have seen what happens when the police and National Guard are either not able or not allowed to keep law and order. We have seen angry mobs riot in the streets, burn down buildings, loot stores, and injure and even kill innocent people. That's been happening in this country. Everybody's aware of it. In Seattle, Washington, radical extremists have taken over part of the city, part of the downtown city, and the liberal mayor and governor have not allowed the police or the National Guard to restore order. They didn't allow it to be prevented and they are not allowing order to be restored. Some so-called leaders have even commended these terrorist type individuals or made excuses for them and the way they have destroyed businesses, terrorized citizens and killed at least 
one innocent person. It should be clear to normal, logical thinking people that those who are calling for police departments to be defunded are fools. Absolute fools who call for police departments to be defunded and affect disbanded. Minneapolis City Council, here's an example of why they should be called fools. The Minneapolis City Council voted unanimously last week to defund the city's police department. But several members of that city council have since been assigned private security guards at a cost of $4,500 a day in taxpayer dollars. Now I want you to think about that. Think about what's happening in an American city. These council members defunded the police department that provided for their security every day as a part of their normal responsibilities. They will then go out and hire private a private security group that has less training, less experience, less accountability to provide that same security for themselves. They don't want the police, but they want what the police does. And so the absolute fools defund well-trained police and hire private security to protect themselves. They're afraid to live without law and order, but they're so stupid as to abolish the normal government-sanctioned police department that throughout the country is given the responsibility of enforcing the laws. That great philosopher Forrest Gump was right. Stupid is as stupid does. Now, even though our government leaders who make the laws and the law enforcement officers who are authorized to enforce the laws are far from perfect, and they are, we are far better off with them than we would be without them. But I want to be quick to say, this does not mean that we overlook leaders or law enforcement officers who do wrong. Leaders and officers who break the laws and fail to administer justice properly should be removed and should be punished under the law. The policeman that killed George Floyd was rightfully fired immediately after his actions became known. He was rightfully charged with murder as quickly as the legal system allowed. Here's what I want to make clear, and it has been clear, but people are not listening. Law enforcement leaders and officers throughout the country 
have condemned that man, that rogue killer police officer, and anyone like him who fails to protect and serve their community the right way. As far as I know, no governmental authority, no police leaders have defended him in any way. Government leaders, law enforcement officers agree that every human being deserves justice and equal treatment under the law by all law enforcement officers. And when that does not happen, it demands a rational and lawful response. But never is it justified to have an irrational, unlawful response like we've seen happen all over the country this past month with riots and looting. Now I want to be clear. Injustice can never be tolerated. Anyone who breaks the law, government leaders, law enforcement officers, private citizens, and rioters and looters should be punished under the law. That is what is right before God. Now, let's sort of pause here. It should be pointed out that all human authority is always subordinate to God's authority. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Now think about that for a moment. That means if we ever face a situation, let me back up a minute. God has appointed, has ordained there to be human authority, government, state sanctioned authority. But it's under Him. It's under His authority. It's under His word that He's revealed about Himself, about life. If we ever face a situation where our only choice is either to obey God's word and disobey man's law or to obey man's law and disobey God's word, if we're going to be faithful, we must obey God's word and disobey man's law. That's how the early church leaders responded when they were ordered, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Stop preaching the gospel. They were charged by Jesus himself. The word they heard from the Lord, go into all the world and make disciples. Be my witness. And that's what they were doing. So when they were ordered to stop, they had no choice but what they are well known now for saying in Acts chapter 5, we must obey God rather than men. So there are exceptions But these exceptions do not void the point that Paul was making in Romans 13. What we as Christians need to understand is that God has established government authority in this world. 
and government authority in the hands of human beings will always be flawed. It will always be imperfect. We don't accept that. We try to do better. But as God's people, we must submit to that authority, work to change what needs to be changed, work to correct what needs to be corrected. But we cannot reject authority because the result will be anarchy, chaos, lawlessness, as we have seen even in our own country in recent times. Now Paul gives us another reason for submitting in verses 3 through 5. Look at this. The ministry of government has been assigned by God. I'm using the word ministry here for a purpose. Look at this. Paul emphasizes the government's ministry. Servanthood. Just as he did government's authority. Note again, three statements. For he is God's servant. God's minister for your good. For he is the servant of God. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. For the authorities are ministers of God. Paul describes governmental authorities, government leaders in whatever capacity. Law enforcement officers who carry out the laws or enforce the laws. They're servants of God in this world. You think about our elected leaders. Think about judges. Think about about law enforcement officers. Some are Christians. Many are not. Some would be atheists. Some would be of another religion. But they are, many of them unconsciously, and all of them imperfectly, they're serving God's purpose of administering justice in this world. I want you to notice in verse 4 what some people would consider a hard statement. The phrase, bear the sword, emphasizes the authority of government to punish lawbreakers even to the point of exercising deadly force, capital punishment, or even waging a just war. This word Translated sword here. It's used in other places in the New Testament to describe a sword that killed people. You can see on the screen there some references if you want to write them down and look them up. When Paul says that government in general is authorized to bear the sword, he means that God has given government the authority to use the sword for the purpose for which it was used in the first century. To kill if necessary. Not murder, but to kill if necessary. Now this would apply to the governments having the authority to wage a just war. Not to be the aggressor, but to be involved in protecting people. Administering justice. Administer capital punishment. And even the use of deadly force in policing when absolutely necessary. You know, I don't know how many law enforcement officers you know been around. I grew up in a family 
where my dad was involved in law enforcement all my life till he retired. I've been around law enforcement officers uh, my entire life. I want you to know that they do not want to ever use deadly force. That is not something that they desire or long for. Most law enforcement officers in this country never fire their weapon in the line of duty. That is a fact. We also see in this passage that God intends for government to be His, look at this, avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. God uses governmental authority to execute His wrath on people who do wrong, people who break the law. He does this. This is how He serves justice. We don't have the right to do that as individuals get even with people, but we give this to government authority to be done fairly, justly, hopefully without a lot of emotion involved. Every government official and law enforcement officer needs to be held to the highest level of accountability to ensure that they are administering justice appropriately to all people at all times. That's a given. But every citizen of this country needs to understand that if they break the law, they will be pursued and they will be punished. And government authorities have the authority, the biblical authority, to use appropriate force along with the responsibility of exercising appropriate restraint as they enforce the law. Now, God has ordained government. He calls government to exercise authority in this world for our good, for the good of those who desire to uphold the law. But I want you to look at one more thing before we leave this morning. God calls us to conscientiously obey government authority. Look back at verse 5 again. We find in verse 5 that we are to support the government not just because we're afraid of being punished, not just because we're afraid of being caught, but because it's the right thing to do. Look at verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. As Christians, we should believe this, what we've been looking at this morning. It should be within us to know that laws are good, are helpful. It brings order, safety, security to a society, to a group of people. And so we should desire within us, as people of God, with the Spirit of God within us, we should desire to obey the law to cooperate, as long as we're not called upon to sin against God, to cooperate with government leaders. Obeying governmental authority is simply a part of our obedience to God. It is the right thing to do. It is a good thing for us to do. And so Paul appeals to us, not just because you'll be punished, 
but as a Christian, it should be a part of your conscience. Could it be something you want to do? As a child of God, obey God-given authority. Now, I want us to wind this whole thing up this morning by looking at or thinking about while God does exercise his power and his purpose through proper government authorities, his greatest demonstration of power is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how I want us to end today. God works through his spirit and his word to change people's lives from the inside out. What we've been looking at this morning, the truth, the cold hard facts, just reading that is not going to change anyone. It's not going to make anything better. But the spirit of God working in a Christian opens our eyes to see this is what's right. This is what God has ordained. This is what pleases God. This can bring change to Christians across this country, of all denominations, of all races, of all socioeconomic levels. The Lord changes people one by one, individually, from the inside, from the heart. And as he changes us individually, well, he changes our community. And as he changes communities, he changes our nation. This is what we need to focus on. We need to pray for God to work in Christians' lives to see the truth about authority, about submitting to it, about enforcing laws justly and fairly. Cal Thomas is a political columnist and a committed Christian. He has a helpful word about this for all Christians in this country. I want you to look at what he says. He says, I think we need to go back to the fundamentals. There is nothing more powerful than an individual believer sold out to Christ and committed to his own family, her own neighborhood, his own school, and one's own environment. If enough people catch this, which is really the message of the first century church, then the possibility of revival, of real national need, will be increased. We must never forget that our first and foremost citizenship is in the kingdom of God. And we need to demonstrate that we're a part of the kingdom of God by the way that we live, the way that we talk, the way that we show that Jesus Christ has made a difference in our lives. If we really want to have a stronger influence and impact on people around us, let's live like Christians. Let's share the gospel. Let's pray that God will work to change hearts and minds, which will in turn change attitudes and words and actions. This is how we'll be the best citizens. This is how we can best live under the authority of the government as faithful, committed followers of Jesus. Let's pray together. Dear God, we pray right now that you will work in our lives to show us that we need to have the right attitude toward government, law enforcement officers, authority in general, we pray, Father, that you will work 
through your word, through your spirit, throughout our country to cause Christians to realize what we've been looking at this morning. To live like Christians in this way. We pray, Father, that you would so work to cause rational thinking people, believers and unbelievers, to see that lawlessness, rejection and rebellion against authority will only lead to chaos and more lawlessness and increasing violence. We pray, Father, that you will cause people in this country to reject that, to reject anarchy. Help Christians to lead the way. Help us, Father, to find more common ground. Give us wisdom throughout the country. Men and women, young people, Help us to collectively act wisely in our communities, in our towns, in our states. Lord, if there are people in this room who need to change some attitudes, show them, help them to see what needs to change. Lord, if there's people in this room who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Call them to faith in Jesus now. But help us all to obey you and respond to what you're saying to us through your word and spirit. Let's just pray and listen to the Lord and respond.